0: Well, here we are back into lockdown and uh, the troubles of 2020 haven't been left behind by any means, have they? And I thought what we face is big enough that I thought I should take a break from uh, our Isaiah series uh, for the next. Well, I'm planning on for the next three weeks to uh, try to bring you messages which I hope will help us think about and respond to our current difficulties that we're in. So I'm intending to preach this morning on life in the overlap of the ages. Then next week, life to the full. How do you have life to the full in the current situation? And then thirdly, life under authority. Uh, Government rules are a lot more obvious and impinging on us than in normal life. What does life under authority look like biblically? That's my plan, God willing. So this morning, life in the overlap of the ages back in the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied a coming age. There was going to be this coming age. The Messiah would come. The Spirit would work in hearts. The Son of God would sit on the throne and rule. Creation would be renewed. Suffering would be abolished. And sin would be ended. The Old Testament looked forward to that. And then in the New Testament, you get this clear message, the time has come. The new age has begun. The kingdom has started. And you say, hang on a minute, but look, creation hasn't been renewed. And suffering is certainly around, and I find I still sin. And that's because the age to come that was prophesied has broken in, but the present age that's been going on ever since mankind first rebelled is still happening and we live in the overlap of those two ages i'm trying to show it like this i think i've got some colored sheets somewhere here they are so what the bible calls the present age here it is has happened sin has been happening ever since adam and eve rebelled but with the death resurrection and sitting on the throne and giving out of the spirits that jesus did the age to come has broken in but the two are overlapping The present age that's happened ever since Adam and Eve is still ongoing. The age to come has broken in and we live where those two overlap. All the time between the events of Jesus first being on earth and when he returns are the overlap of the ages. To put it in different terms, new life has come, but we're in the old world of death. And this morning, I want us to see that from Romans chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible, would you turn, please, to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. And I think this will help us with understanding, accepting and responding to the difficult situation we're currently in. I'm not going to go through Romans 8 in detail. I'm going to have to be disciplined and restrain myself from commenting too much on many of the wonderful truths we have here. But I want us to see a little of what this new life is like and a little of what the old world of death is like. But the main main aim is to show us what it means that we live in the overlap of the two. So, verses 1 to 17, new life. Let's see a little bit of what it's like. Verses 1 to 17 describe new life. And it begins, verse 1, Therefore there is now... And then it goes on to describe that new life. But it says it starts now. What does it mean by now? Well, it's mainly talking about a a certain point in history. It's mainly a historical now. When Paul was writing, he could say, now, in my lifetime, this has happened. Yes, there were people before Jesus came who had this new life, but not many, really very few. And how that new life came about wasn't fully clear yet. But now, Paul can say in his lifetime, now, Jesus has come. And the way to new life has been made crystal clear, nothing secret about it. It's not just for a select cult to know about it. No, it's made open and clear. And many, many, many across the whole world are receiving this new life now. It's a historical now, talking about 2,000 years ago. But there's also a personal version of this now. A personal version. Because this new life coming now, that's not true for you and me until we turn from going our own way and we put our trust in the Lord Jesus. Yes, That now happened 2,000 years ago, but it hasn't happened for us in a sense until we turn and we put our trust in the Lord Jesus. Children, I hope you realise that when you hear these things at church about Christians, it isn't just true for you because you're in a Christian family or because Jesus did it all 2,000 years ago. That, there's gotta come that now for you when you turn and put your trust. Uh, Think of it as a bit like the Boxing Day sales. Children, I'm sure you've heard of the Boxing Day sales, although these days Black Friday seems to get more attention. But you can't get the sales until the bargains... Sorry, you can't get the bargains until the sales have started. And then when the time comes on Boxing Day, let's say 9 o'clock in the morning, then you have to go and get that bargain. It's not good enough that the sales have started. If you're going to benefit, you have to go and get the bargain for yourself. And so people queue up outside next from five o'clock in the morning so that once the sale starts, they can get in quickly. They want to get the best bargain from next. Well, what Jesus offers is better than anything that next offers. And the sale is now on. Jesus says now to the whole world, come and buy without money and without price. In other words, get it for free. But you have to go to Jesus and get it. Ask him for it. Have you done so? Have you grabbed the bargain? It starts now, and then we're told in Romans 8, it's Jesus who secured it for us. We're moving on into verse 3 and 4. What made that change in history? Why has the sale started Well, because God sent his son Jesus and he lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we deserve to die so that we can be free from sin's guilt. That's what Jesus has done for us and that is the subject of verse 3. We're not going to read through all these verses because there's a lot to cover. But that's the subject of verse 3, what Jesus has done for us. But he's also done something in us And that's the subject of verse 4 onwards. Jesus has done something in us. He changes us so we keep God's laws. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Have a look at the end of verse 4 and you'll see that. There's this work Jesus has done in us so we should keep God's law and it's for those who live according to the Spirit. Verse 9 tells us, Everyone who belongs to Jesus has that Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do in us? Well, he puts our minds right. You'll see in a minute there's more to it than that, but let's start there. He puts our minds right. Let's read verse 5 and 6. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now, don't think this is your mind in contrast to your heart, your cold reasoning in contrast to your warm feeling. I know we use mind and heart that way. The Bible doesn't generally. It's just meaning our whole inner being. Sometimes the Bible calls this heart, sometimes it calls it mind. It means the inner you, the control centre of you, your thoughts and desires which control your will. And then your will controls your actions, what you do and say. Uh, Think of it a little bit like this. These speakers on the wall, why are they the volume they're at at the moment? Well, there's a control centre over there with various switches and dials. And Dan today thinks about, well, is that at the right level or is that not? Does this need to be adjusted? Does that not? And, and then he will presumably slide the sliders and turn the dials and that all affects what goes on in the speakers around the building. Why do you do what you do? Your actions that you do, the words that come out of your mouth. Well, it's a decision of your will your will, and that's controlled by your thoughts and your desires. That's like the the control centre being talked about here. And outside of Christ those thoughts and desires and that will are ruled by sin. And in Christ it's all ruled by the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean the Holy Spirit will do in you? Well he'll wean you off loving sin. And he'll teach you to love and keep God's laws. I've got a heading in my Bible for Romans 8. Have you got one in your Bible, heading for Romans 8? Mine says, life through the Spirit. I expect yours says probably something similar. And it's the correct heading. Romans 8, uh, if you noticed as it was read through, it mentions the Spirit again and again and again. Wonderful chapter about life in the Spirit. And... What is the main subject of the first, well, 14 verses? He keeps talking about fighting sin, overcoming sin. It, it's very significant that Romans 8, this chapter about life in the Spirit, is not about ecstatic experiences, although they are desirable. It's not about the Spirit will give you a comfortable life where you'll have everything you want. It doesn't say that. It's a chapter about resisting sin. Well, I hope you take notice of that. Because I hear people who say, we don't want to hear so much about sin, we want to hear about the Spirit. We want to hear about victorious life, not these depressing things about sin and overcoming it. Wow, have you read Romans 8? About life in the Spirit, and it's a life of overcoming sin, fighting sin, resisting sin. Oh, it's not just that. This is where I have to resist the temptation to go into verses 14 to 17 about adoption and knowing you're in God's family. And it's also about, well, eventually the Holy Spirit gives life to our, even our bodies. New life. Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Even these physical bodies are going to get new life. But that's a reminder, we've got new life, but we haven't got it all yet. So let's move on. We've thought there about new life, but now we have this new life in an old world of death. We move on now to verses 18 to 25. The old world of death. Now, we live in a world that is groaning. Do you see that in verse 22? Verse 22, the whole creation has been groaning right up to the present time. Why is it groaning? Oh, it's in bondage to decay. Verse 21, it's in bondage to decay. What a strange word. Phrase, what does that mean? It means it's enslaved. It's enslaved. It's frustrated, verse 20 says. And it's decaying. It's decaying. Now, children, have you heard of William Shakespeare? Yeah, I expect you've heard of William Shakespeare. And he had a famous saying, something along the lines of, all the world's a stage. And let's, let's imagine a theatre. And well, let's imagine a great theatre owner, and he produces this phenomenally sophisticated and beautiful theatre, stage. And he gets the best actors. He's trained them up to be the best. And they're going to act on the stage for his glory. They're going to reflect something of him. But instead, they're roaring drunk, and they don't act for his glory. They dishonour him, and they wreck the stage. And so he downgrades that theatre. And that's this world. We were made to reflect God. But we're drunk with sin and instead we ruin his world and we dishonor him. And so he's downgraded it. He's put it all under a curse. A curse where it is in bondage to decay. It's still his world, still amazing and brilliant, but it has this principle of decay and this frustration and this suffering that it is streaked with. And so, that explains the world we see. Oh, do you ever see those David Attenborough programs? Uh, Yeah, he can be a bit annoying with all his evolution stuff, but they're brilliant programs, really. And, And so... And so you see this amazing world. The salmon, they swim around in the ocean and they have somehow some navigation system where they find their way back to the river where they were born. Think of that. They swim in the Pacific and out of all of those thousands of miles of Canadian and American coastline, they find their way to the actual river they were born and they jump up waterfalls and they get exactly to where they were born and they reproduce, and then they die. And the next generation struggles, spawns, and dies. And the next struggles, spawns, and dies. And what a weird world, you think. It is so amazing, so sophisticated, and so just run through with death and decay. And so creation groans, But there's a more positive side to the groaning. The world is eagerly waiting. Do you see that in verse 19? The creation waits in eager expectation. Now, do you remember the wedding of Harry and Meghan? Children, some of you probably saw it on TV. Back in those days when Harry and Meghan were seemingly happy popular royals. That seems a long time ago now. And there were the crowds in Windsor waiting. And craning their necks to look to see. When is the bride going to come? When is Meghan coming? And you have to wait a long time. And craning their necks looking to see. And that is actually the word here put for creation. It cranes its neck looking to see. When is the time coming? It's waiting. For what? To be rid of this decay. To be freed from the frustration. To be made new. I think of that to be made new. It's going to have all the, the, the decay and the suffering and that curse stripped out of it. Think of this. Every sunset you've seen, every mountain range, every blue sky, every single flower you've seen has been under the curse. What will it be like when it is freed, liberated, renewed? But at the moment, creation's groaning. And Christians are groaning. Do you see that in verse 23? Christians are groaning. Verse 23, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. Why do we groan? Well, because we have present sufferings. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed, but we have present sufferings. Now, It is not just, Paul was writing to people in the Roman Empire, they happened at present to be suffering. That's not the use of the word present here. It means sufferings in this present age. Remember my bits of paper? The age that's been going on ever since Adam and Eve rebelled. A present age characterised by suffering. But... Just like with creation, there's a more positive side to this groaning. We're groaning because we too are eagerly waiting. Verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, a part that I had to skip over in in the first part of the chapter was how it tells us we're already adopted and we have the Spirit reassuring us that we're God's children. It's permanent. It's secure. But, verse 23 says, we're still waiting because there's more to come. There's better to come. There's a new body to come. Uh, Now, uh, let me try and illustrate it a bit like this. When I was younger... I was into fast cars and uh, I saw that someone had got a massive new sports car engine and had put it in a car called a Hillman Imp. Now the older people here may know that the Hillman Imp was a tiny little old car and this car must have gone like a rocket. The person had stripped out The back seat and just about everything apart from the driving You had a driver's seat, a steering wheel, some pedals and just engine. And the thing must have gone like a rocket. And I considered buying it. Probably would have been a disaster. Uh, But I thought to myself, a big new engine in a little old car, there might be quite a bit of trouble there. Well, fellow Christians, we're a little bit like that. We've got a new heart and that is good news. But we're in this old body. And that results in some tensions and difficulties at times. Well, at many times. But when Jesus returns, oh, we'll still have the new heart, but we'll have a new body too. But for now, we're living in the overlap. And the new life has broken in, but it's into the old world of death. The new heart has come into this old body. I hope you've seen... The main thing I'm trying to get across there, it is that overlap. But let's thirdly and finally have this, lessons for living in the overlap of the ages. What does that mean for us? How does that help us to know it? Well, it helps us first to know what to expect. What to expect. Now, it's obvious that we live in a world of suffering and troubles, but we sometimes live as if it isn't obvious we sometimes fall into the world's trap, which is, there must be a solution to everything now. So if loads of people are dying of COVID-19, there must be someone to blame. Or the government must have got its policy wrong. Now, by the way, I am not commenting here on government policy. That would be a misuse of a sermon. But, it, it isn't necessarily that someone has got something wrong and ought to be to blame. It may just be... We're living in the overlap of the ages, and not everything can be solved now. When we forget that, we sometimes engage in wishful thinking. So we think things like, this lockdown is really damaging, so it must be it would be okay if we didn't have a lockdown. Well, maybe I'm not commenting on the rights and wrongs of lockdown. That would be a misuse of the sermon. But I'm simply saying, just because one thing is damaging doesn't mean that there is a solution that has no damage about it. It might be there is no painless solution to this, because we live in the overlap of the ages. So let's not fall into society's traps. Let's not also fall into the Christian versions of them. There are Christian versions of them. The idea that God will give us a comfortable life, Surely he's bound to. Uh, There's a man called Creflo Dollar. Now, children, think of having a name like Creflo Dollar. Well, actually, he's not really. His name is something ordinary like Michael Smith. But he's decided to change his name to Creflo Dollar. Sounds a bit crazy to me. Uh, Now, this man is a church leader. At least he claims to be. He claims to be a church leader. And his message is, God wants to give you health and wealth. God wants to give you health and wealth and look, he's given it to Treflo Dollar because he's a millionaire and he flies a private jet and hopefully we all see through that. The man is a crook. I hope we see through that. But we can have our own watered down versions. God will at least give you a comfortable life. Surely if you follow Jesus, he will at least make sure you don't suffer too much. But we're in the overlap of the ages. And yes, we follow Jesus with new life, but we're still in the old world of death. And verse 18 says there are present sufferings. And he's writing to Christians. It teaches us what to expect. It teaches us what to accept. Big question in life is what should you accept and what should you not accept? Uh, Let's get a non-COVID example now just an ordinary day and you go to work and you drive to work along the way you're stuck in a traffic jam for ages aren't you grumble why are there so many people on the road I think as if I'm not one of those people and then you get to work and what the computer crashes and the printer breaks and you're under pressure and so you do what everyone does grumble and complain about the boss you know if you had his job you'd do a much better job of it and occasionally blow your top at people but, you know, that's just you, that's just your personality. That just has to be accepted that that's what you're like. And we get exactly the wrong way round, what to accept and what not to accept. Because we live in the old world of death, things will go wrong. And there will be pressures. And you'll clean things up one day and have to clean them up the next day and then have to clean them up the day after that. Accept it. That's this old world. But because we have new life, we shouldn't be like those around us. We shouldn't be grumblers. We shouldn't be, I blow my top, that's just my personality, accept it. No, don't accept it. You have been given the spirit and a new heart. And you have been given Access to power that can overcome that sin in you. Don't accept it as just the way you are and it just is going to have to keep on going on like that. Living in the overlap of the ages, it tells us what to expect, what to accept and what to look forward to. We all need something to look forward to. What is Boris's favourite phrase about looking forward? There's light at the end of the tunnel. Isn't that one of his? Along with a few alasses? He likes a lass and jabs in the arm. But he also likes there's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, think back to March, going into first lockdown. I think it was about then. The Queen did a speech, didn't she? And at the end of her speech... Uh, They showed Buckingham Palace, and I I think if I remember this rightly, they were projecting onto Buckingham Palace an old picture of Dame Vera Lynn, and she sang, we'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Good stuff, I really like that song. Um, We need something to look forward to. And the world makes its substitutes for what God's given. We need to think that we'll meet again, even if we haven't got a clue when or where or even why we should believe it. But we want to believe it. But for some people, there hasn't been light at the end of the tunnel. For some people, there hasn't been meeting again. We have a friend of the family who... Die in hospital of COVID. While his wife was in a different ward of the hospital, also with COVID, separate from him, unable to be with her husband as he died. And so, yes, do look forward to going back to normal. I'm looking forward to going back to normal and hoping it hurries up. But normal before last March was still the present age. It was still a world of death with groanings and sufferings. God gives us something better to look forward to. Even creation is straining its neck, eagerly looking for this. Jesus is coming back, and then the overlap of the ages will end. Then we'll have the new age without the present age. Then we'll have the new life without the old world of death. Then we'll have the new heart without this old body and all its struggles. Jesus' death and resurrection has secured it all, has guaranteed it for those who are in Christ. So are you looking forward to this?